Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we are enhancing your full stack of skills to build wealth inside, and guess what, Charlie, and outside your business. Today, we are with Ray Regmi, Senior Senior Financial Advisor and Principal at Riker Capital. We're actually going to be talking, surprise, surprise, all things full stack business owners talk about. Shock, horror, gasp. Now, if you want to jump in on the conversations, head over to Facebook, join the Facebook group, which is called Full Stack Business Owner Community. Ask us any questions and we'll be more than happy to help you out and even bring the questions onto this podcast. Now, before we get started, Charlie, let's cue your infamous disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. All right, I'm going to give another infamous disclaimer now, and that's that Ray and the Riker Capital team are actually sponsors of the Full Stack Podcast. Thank you for being a sponsor, by the way, Ray. We love having you on board and mostly just answering the questions that Grant and I have and then sharing it with other people. So um, it's very, very helpful and topical. Now, today, we're actually going to be talking all about personal insurance. And um, I must admit, this is something that I think a lot of business owners just neglect, ignore, pretend doesn't exist because, well... Uh, to be honest, who really wants to spend their time thinking about insurance and what could go wrong? Like there's enough things that go wrong in business day to day and enough challenges that come up. It, uh, just like I know a lot of people don't like going to hospitals or the thought of it, kind of fits in that category. Nonetheless, to kick this episode off, what I actually want to do is, well, scare the pants off people. I want to hear some horror stories. I want to hear, and I'm sure you've seen some many interesting things in your time, when people ignore, neglect, and just don't get the right insurance is in place, what can actually go wrong? Charlie Grant, as a business owner, it's imperative to have a good insurance policy. Insurance policy acts as a safety net where it covers and protects you should something go wrong. In 18 years of me working in financial industry, we have seen things happen over and over again when things have gone wrong. There are a number of horror stories I've come across, but the most common ones we see are holding off on purchasing insurance. When purchasing an insurance It's important to factor the affordability and the cover you need. Insurance premiums are based on a number of factors, including your age, your overall health. Personal policy rates generally increase as people age, as their health deteriorates. In some cases, health problems will prevent you from getting any cover. The longer you put off the buying decision, the more insurance will probably cost if you can get it at all. This is where the horror story number one comes in, specifically speaking about a client who applied for life disability and wage cover and was declined due to ill health and found this out when insurance company goes went through a blood test um, and they found out the results. He had a number of health problems he wasn't aware of and the insurance companies completely declined the cover to him, which left him in a pretty much in a very panicked state as he had a large level of debt, a young family which he couldn't provide for. In this instance, income protection was very important for him. Being self-employed, business owner, He doesn't have a sick leave, annual leave that he could rely on. There is no income. His young family members or dependents were relying on the income he was earning and there was no money coming in. Plus, he had a large level of debt, which he couldn't pay as he was trying to recover from an early cancer diagnosis. That is heavy. Talk about a way of uh, sobering a room, right? I was going to (laughs) say, welcome to the episode. (laughs) So I think we all need insurance. 
Uh, is it? But this is the thing. These are the uncomfortable conversations that need to be had. And um, I, I just look at that and I go, hopefully there's a good bit of a good story in here that maybe these tests actually uncovered an early cancer detection and they were able to do something about it. But at the same time is like that's a ticking time bomb that mm. is just not aware of that if you've got a young family, and I must admit this is the part that, well, scares the pants off me is that I've got a little one and a wife that need looking after if something happened to me, I could end up in a very, uh, I say, unfortunate circumstance myself. So, uh, I mean, that's the huge one. Are there others? Um, yes. Uh, another one is buying the cheapest policy. Look, whilst it's important to shop around for a policy that's affordably priced, it is important to understand what terms and conditions of these policies are. In terms of coverage, definition, events, or things it may not pay for, some of the definitions can be very confusing. So it's important to learn about those features and benefits or engage your financial advisor to ensure they are the right covers for you and you're not paying for the cover or features you don't need. And the recent example of this was when my client found out that he was paying for a policy through his super fund and he has been paying for this policy for years and years, right? To his horror, when he looked at his recent super statement, his cover had actually come down from 300,000 down to 45,000. Here he is thinking, going, I am covered and not realising that his insurance policy is actually diminishing every year whilst he's still paying the premiums. Is that common? It is so common, Charlie. You'd be surprised. Mm. I encourage people to have a look at their statements next time. I'll, I'll bet 99% of the people listening to this podcast, us included, Grant. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to say Wait, anything. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Grant. How much are you covered for, Grant? I got no idea. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I got nothing. I'm, just, I'm like, oh, cool, I got this much in super. And I'm like, got this much in properties and stuff. I'm like, ah, we're covered. <laughs> yeah, but don't you find this interesting? If I said to you, how much debt have you got and what's the uh, interest easy, rate? I'll tell you, no worries. No worries at all. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, how much you're covered for, we don't know. And uh, it's and this is one of the reasons I, I really enjoy having you on the show, Ray, is like you highlight some of the areas of neglect here that are so imperatively important. So I'm just going to recap on this is like the overwhelming example of number one, number one which actually like hits me so hard because it's exactly what happened to my father. Right. Where it's the idea around wasn't, uh, didn't have appropriate insurance in place. Yep. When something went wrong, he was undercovered and unfortunately lost his business because of it. Yep. And I just think that's such an unfortunate circumstance to fall in and talk about a wealth destroyer. Yep. Yep. Right. It's like, this is a huge thing. And then the second one is, is there's people out there that think they're covered, not realizing that in this example you've given here is that your if your I imagine the policy must have been on some sort of like auto renew, and they weren't paying attention to what was actually in that renewal or what was going on with them getting older, and then the circumstances come that they thought they were insured for three hundred thousand, it was actually forty five, which in today's world doesn't help someone that much. Not even like, three hundred thousand. Yeah, my my does, wife Charlie. wouldn't. I was going to say not even three hundred. Like. <laughs> Okay, so th let's unpack this, all right, because these are the things that I think are really important. So starting from the top, right, can you please just break down and pretend like you're speaking to two four-year-olds because you kind of are. I was going to say, you, <laughs> um, like, don't pretend you are talking <laughs> to four-year-olds. Can you break down what personal insurance is and the, t and the areas it covers as a really good starting point here? No, absolutely. Look, uh, personal insurances are the types of cover that provides financial security to you, your family for events such as serious illnesses, injury, loss of ability to earn 
uh, an income disablement or total permanent disability, as we call it. Um, all it does, it's it allows you to maintain the way if you're living with financial support to cover any outstanding debts, everyday expenses, food on the table, and maintain a general well-being of living. I just want to jump in on that because this is a really interesting point. This is very different than like insuring a car or plant and equipment or a building in your business. Absolutely. Right? This is like a whole different area of that. And my understanding is that um, like you would go to an insurance broker uh, to go and deal with that type of thing. Do insurance brokers sell personal insurance as well or is this something more strictly done through uh, financial planners? Like you need a financial planner to start exploring this. Well, look, some of the brokers do cover personal insurance and most don't do it due to complexity uh, when structuring the covers. Brokers and insurance agents acting on customers' behalf may not be required to look at tax-effective structures of how to set up that policy, whereas financial advisors have to. As an example, depending on customer situation, funding insurance through super can also act as a super contribution, which provides them a good tax benefit. Now, at the back of that, you've got to then think about the estate planning issues, meaning if the funds was go to the beneficiaries, what are the tax they're going to pay when they're going to inherit that money? And these are the key things to look at before even considering an insurance policy. How do you lay that groundwork before you go and take that policy or, or that product? So us as an advisors, we've got that obligation to cover those areas before we start jumping into going, well, this is insurance you need. Now, I want to unpack this for people to understand because um, just like with, we'll use a car as an example, if Grant drives a Ferrari and I drive, uh, let's say, a little Kia, no, actually, let's use a Barina. I want to use a Barina. This is, this is very resembling of what yeah, we are. It's good. It is. Uh, it absolutely does. Like we wouldn't pay the same amount in insurance. Right, because we have different vehicles. When it comes to personal insurance, right, you mentioned like blood tests before, but I, I want to know like some more of the variability. So let's pretend like Grant works in, he's a, an explosives expert in a mining company. Yep. He blows things up day to day, high high risk job. He does kind of blow up things day to day. I was going to say, I'm like, you are, you are representing what I do day to day. This is good. Yeah. And then I work inside and don't ever have to leave my home and I'm in the safest suburb in there. Like, are these the types of things that would affect premiums and coverage and the types of things that, or is it how is it done or formulated in this world is the question I'm getting to. Look, I think there are so many variables to to how the price, a policy would be priced for an individual. For someone like myself, I call myself a paper pusher, um, would be policy would be much cheaper as, some, as compared to someone who's working in construction industry or perhaps someone who's a nurse. The reason being, the worst that's going to happen to me is a paper cut, <laughs> as opposed to if I look at people on frontline, um, doctors or nurses, um, the insurance will vary from industry to industry. As an example, doctors who's running a practice would want to ensure they cover for needle stick injuries because they're injecting patients. And if they were to accidentally cop a needle stick, they have got the risk of contracting occupationally infectious diseases like HIV, Hep B, Hep C. Um, very much in the same game of construction industry if they um, if they have specified events that they'd want to be covered for. In some situation, to work at a construction site, a contractor would need an income protection cover before you can even enter the site. So it all depends on profession, your lifestyle, uh, whether you smoke, um, um, your health condition, and variety of different factors. The key thing for us is to ensure that when we go to these providers that we are getting the best bang out of the buck. Not necessarily getting a cheap policy, but getting a best-featured policy along the best price. 
Okay, so then the question I'll ask that follows on from that is where does someone get started with this? Like mm. what's the best place to kind of start uh, with personal insurance? If you're like many people that are listening to this podcast and potentially a couple that are on it, where we should they get names. started? Yeah, we won't. They well, no, couldn't no, be no, granted. No. We, no. But uh, the point I would make <laughs> here is that I think uh, insurance is the perfect combination of boring and complex. So yep. for people to digest and understand that topic, it's like it's going to be very hard. They're going to put it off. But yeah, I, I think it's something that we unfortunately should, or not necessarily. I should repeat that it's something we shouldn't put off. And then understanding how to get started with it becomes really interesting. So is this something where uh, in engaging in conversation with your financial planner or several financial planners and shopping it is appropriate or are there real specialists in this area people need to know about? Mm. Uh, look, I think just uh, to answer your question there, Charlie, I think um, the first thing first, you've got to sit down with an advisor. Um, it's not necessarily about shopping around for it. The advisor does that part for you. So my role as an advisor when a customer sits in front of me when I've got the occupational, their lifestyle questions, what I'm trying to then picture is going, what does your health look like? What does your situation look like? What does your affordability look like? How much of a cash flow do you have? What kind of tax considerations do I need to keep into account to make sure that if you want that policy, how can make that policy a tax-effective one? So that's the key start um, for, for a customer when he sits down in front of a customer. So always, always start with the financial planner. Once you've done that, the financial planner will then do the shopping around for you. Advisors are required to work in the best interest duty for the customer. So for me, when I'm shopping around an insurance policy for a customer, I'd go a company X, company Y, company, company Z might give me X amount of premiums, but company X might have a certain features uh, that is preferential for my client because he works in that specific occupation category. Whereas insurance company Y, Z might not um, suit that purpose. Can, can I uh, use a an I don't know a comparable analogy. Is it a comparable example to see if this works? Would this be similar to like mortgage brokers with finding lenders? Yep. The idea being is like you know all banks lend money, but yep. like the idea that some have policies that's favourable for business owners and others do not, or some have like they love explosive experts, but others <laughs> like if you're a nurse, not going near it. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I think insurance companies do have a certain preference for certain occupation type, not to mention medical types. So if, uh, as an example, if I had diabetes, some of the insurance companies won't touch me from bar of soap. They don't want to know me because mm -hmm. consequently, as di diabetes becomes worse, I may get a different type of medical condition, loss of sight, loss of limbs, uh, if diabetes gets worse. Um, whereas some insurance companies would be okay with it. Some insurance companies would be willing to take those covers on. So it all depends on the appetite for the reinsurer, but also the insurance company. Hey, it's... it's it's one of these interesting ones because I want to riff on this a little bit because I just keep – there's someone in my mind that I just want to put in this scenario just because I feel sure. bad for them and they're not the one talking into a microphone right now, I swear. <laughs> so imagine that you've got a business owner who has a partner and or they might be in a similar situation like Charlie's here who's got a partner and a child. Now, when I look at my car insurance, I just go add partner. It's like a plus one on a wedding invite. And it's then very when convenient. I, super convenient. I tick that box and then I'd pay an extra 50 bucks a month or whatever it is. Same with health insurance. It's like, great, let's go to the top cover and just go two people. We're a couple. I think we get a discount or they charge us more, whatever it is. Happy days. Is it the same when it comes to these types of personal insurances from where you see? Or do you treat the business owner and the cover for a business owner very different? to their partner, to their kid, or do you just sort of focus in on the business owner and what 
sort of it involves around them and then the others can sort of go and sort of find their own solution to it. Like how do you Not at consider all. that? Not at all. Um, when you're considering a someone's personal situation, their partner plays a huge part in it. So you can't just simply scope that out because you go, you're not a business owner, so we're going to scope that out. We can't do that. As advisors, we've got to ensure that we are covering the partner because that partner plays a huge part in the business owner's life. You take that support away from that partner, then it will impact the person's ability to run the business. So wait, wait, are you saying I should separate? That's what I heard. That's what I heard. What hints are we getting here, right? That's, that's not what split, I said, Charlie. Split, split. <laughs> well, look, I think I, whenever we look to cover the um, insurance for our customers, we, we consider both of their personal and financial situation. Financially, yes, it sometimes makes sense because you get multi-life discounts and and some of those benefits. Um, but we do we do take partner into consideration heavily. I think it's a big part of the of the um, of the insurance analysis that we take. Especially. When you approach someone's insurance situation, and I realize this is going to be like a, a hard question to answer and very circumstantial again, but uh, let, let's say, uh, are you trying to get someone insured to the level where it's like it might clear their debts or are you trying to get someone insured to the level where like your partner will be able to maintain her lifestyle for the rest Great of her question. life? Like is there a goal with the insurance that you're trying to achieve or is, there just, is that too late a thing to be thinking about or I guess it depends? It, it, it absolutely depends, Charlie. Um, it depends on what person's goals and objectives are. How, what state do they want to leave their family in? So what it comes down to is, yes, you want to cover your debts. Yes, you want to provide for your kids' education, their universities, and you want to leave a bit of money for partner. But is it affordable? Can you afford that premium? And that comes massively into play. Because what you can't do is diminish their cash flow. You know, right, their so retirement to go a layer deeper than that, if sure. a business owner has, let's say, built a investment portfolio as well, so they've got a portfolio that let's say can financially look after their partner, does the need for insurance policy coverage change here? Because maybe they don't need the ongoing lifestyle benefits. It would be more just uh, clearing some debts or paying off the family home or something like that. Hundred percent, kind of thing. Yeah. So, the, so if, if they've got an asset, let's just say investment property is an example, which is completely paid off, that forms part of his asset protection mechanism where you take away that level of assets that they've already have and you would go, well, instead of a million dollars, you've got a half a million dollars of investment property, which is completely paid for. You only need half a million. But So this kind of acts as a bit of an insurance policy in itself then? Yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 it's basically you're having an asset and you're offsetting that asset because you've, um, you don't need that level. Of, of cover, but again, it will come down to a variety of different situations, whether they have kids, but also how do you want to leave your family when you leave or when you're not around? If you were to remove that person from the equation, how do they want to leave their family? All right, so then I'm going to ask a really pointy question here, Ray, then. <laughs> Let's pretend someone's got $20 million in the perfect <laughs> residential, commercial, hybrid portfolio, and it more than pays for their lifestyle, right? They, they've, won, they've done it. All right, so let's pretend that exists. Yep. Does someone need insurance in that circumstance? Like, um, is there any benefits outside of the financial remuneration that come from it? Absolutely not. And obviously, insurance companies would be very um, careful covering a person like that because they have no need for insurance. If they've got a $20 million portfolio of assets where it's providing a regular income and there is a reoccurring uh, rent coming in and, and no liabilities, there is potentially no need for insurance unless customer wants to specifically go, I want half a million dollars, which is quite reasonable. 
But as soon as you then go asking for going, well, I need five million, insurance companies or the reinsurers will potentially ask going, what is the need? Okay. So bringing this back to there, and thank you for answering those questions because it really does help me understand this uh, topic. So let's say someone's uh, engaged uh, with a planner like yourself. They're going through the starting components of, of getting this personal insurance together. How often do they need to review their personal insurance? And like you mentioned before, something really interesting about like that policy change or things about the person who had the 300000 and then the policy had diminished. How can they deal with things like that along the way as well. And, and just to quickly answer that part, Charlie, look, um, in, in, in these kind of policies are default by nature. So when I first started working for Commonwealth Bank, I got a policy myself. Um, and when I got that insurance policy, there was an auto acceptance, was attached to my super and got given to me. Now, just because it got given to me uh, doesn't equate to the fact that um, it will decrease. It, it may decrease potentially after 10 or 15 years. So every insurance is very different on how they operate inside that super fund. So definitely needs to be reviewed. And to answer the other part of the question, it's like any part of your financial strategy. You don't want to take a set and forget approach. As a rule of thumb, it's a good idea to review your insurance with your advisor as you need changes, affordability, or any other form of substantial change events that occur in your life. Now, some of the major events could be either getting married, getting divorced, buying a house, having a baby, accepting a new job, getting promotion, taking a mortgage, refinancing your home, paying off your mortgage, buying, selling businesses, receiving inheritance. So there's a combination of factors, there's a variety of different trigger events that may occur, including retirement, where you might want to review a policy with your advisor. Is it a terrible idea to treat it like a home loan? Like I, what you just said there would be things I would be very much like reviewing a home loan in line with. Is that a... Uh, positive thinking of going, well, I potentially want to refinance and check my loan terms like every year. I, If I'm not getting a good deal with this bank, I would go to another bank. And the reason I ask that is I'm just looking for a grounding point for many people that listen to this podcast and myself included, because I look at that and go like, I think many people understand that when they move house or get a partner or all these things that like, that's a trigger event to start going, put people on the loan get people of the thing. And I, I just wonder if that type of uh, mental framework would be helpful for people. Uh, potentially, yes. Look, I think um, it may not be the right comparison, but it could be the right comparison. I'm, I'm confusing you guys here. Now, as your debt levels might reduce, um, you might want to consider reducing your, perhaps your level of cover. It just comes down to the goals and objectives of why you set up that policy in the first place. And if that kind of substantial change that occurs, as you mentioned taking on another loan or perhaps paying down the loan, you would then need to assess going, am I underinsured or am I overinsured here? And then you would look to um, structure your policies accordingly. Um, but then again, to the point where whenever you're going for the reassessment of your insurances, mind you, when you look to increase those covers, the, uh, the, the issue that arises out of that is you might end up with multiple different policies and you might not want to do that because you might have obtained a policy at a certain age and if my situation changes 10 years down the track and I've taken on a loan, I might need to up that policy. And then I've got to go through the same process again of going the blood test, the medical reports, the doctor's report, um, and the whole lot of um, application process for me to acquire and obtain that policy. 
So sometimes- Would I be correct in assuming that the younger you are and the healthier you are, uh, you're going to get a more favourable policy and that that's potentially advantageous than, I suppose, delaying it 10 years where things could be worse and you may not be able to get the same coverage at the same rates? Absolutely. Um, Charlie, look, I think what it would come down to is what does your health condition look like at that point in time? The younger you are, usually you'll have a much better health situation um, and the cover conditions are much, much favourable. As I mentioned to my earlier point, the longer you leave it, uh, there, might, there might be a situation where the insurance companies may not cover uh, offer cover at all. Again, coming coming down to your health. So imagine someone was listening to this and the insurance that they've got might just be the life insurance that kind of sits on their superannuation. Like one of the points that you were sort of mentioning just before, what are some of the types of personal insurance that people should be looking for, especially like business owners? Um um, Grant, um, there's uh, four or four or five different types of uh, business covers, or sorry, not business covers, personal covers that they should look for, which is your life, uh, which is also called term life insurance or death cover, pays out a lump sum of money when someone passes away. Total permanent disability, a permanent injury or illness that can make it difficult or impossible for you to return to work. So TPD insurance sort of provides that financial safety or help to support you and your family to pay for the medical and rehabilitation costs. Trauma also called a crisis insurance, provides a one-off lump sum payment if one of many of the trauma events were to happen to you, such as heart attack, cancer, or stroke. People may not be, want to be treated in the public hospital. They might want to go into a private and get the best treatment possible for that condition. So that's where trauma helps. And um, most important part, and the one that I love, is income protection cover. Income protection pays off your income in the event you're unable to work because of sickness, illness, accident, injury. And it's surprising that not many people have income protection the biggest asset that you have is your income. And if you don't have that income, how do you then pay for your food on the table, your mortgage, and every other insurance, if you like? So you need to have that income coming in. And that's where the income protection provides the stability. And lastly, key man insurance and business expense cover. Key man insurance is taken out by businesses to compensate that business or financial losses that would arise from debt or extended incapacity of an important member of the business. So if you take that key person out and he's not there to replace that person so the business continues on, that's where key, key man insurance comes in handy. All right, hold up. I've got to what? do it. Grant, I would definitely need that coverage. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> one of us here is like, look at the other one, John. Did yeah. I want that cover too? Ray, what a layout. Thank you. I, I know we make this sobering, but anytime I can get a shot in fired here, I will take it. <laughs> uh, I'm, dude, I'll take that as a compliment as you thinking I'm a key man. That's great. Kobe, no worries do, at all. Do you know what I was actually thinking? All these competitions you and I have in hells might actually be one of the best things we do. <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, it's been, so for, for someone, uh, brilliant, now I've lost my train of thought. No, so for someone uh, sort of looking at this, like what are some of the signs where like how do they know that they don't have the right cover? Because uh, I would argue that I'm like, okay, cool, in, in my superannuation some of these things that you've just mentioned around trauma and life and there will be a mix of them coming in and it's to what we mentioned before it's not just a tick in the box and it's done like there are policy points and things like that that we need to review like what are some of the signs for people who are listening that they might have that they don't have the right cover for them based on their situation right grant look insurance can be very complicated in most cases um especially the structuring part and the tax part um yeah, customers don't even know if they've got the right kind of cover, mostly. Um, and they may not even know what events they want to cover. 
And this is where we sort of, uh, when an advisor has a chat to them about the types and situation they want to cover based on their goals and objectives, this is where we sort of start to unpack and uh, uncover some of their insurance needs. So the, look, the signs to look out for would be not comparing premiums, making the mistake of not comparing price on a like-for-like product, which can cost them thousands of dollars as part of a business policy where we compare policy with various other providers to ensure that we present customers with similar of or closest like-to-like of those policies. It is vital that you compare rates and features that comes with various policies to ensure that you will be adequately covered. Second sign to look out for, or perhaps another feature, is whilst comparing price, not comparing features. Just because the policy is cheap doesn't mean it has the right features. It may have many exclusions or underlying policy definitions which will prevent you from getting paid out. Now, if you do they do that intentionally a little bit, Ray? Like, is there a few, like, how could I put it, like, shady greatness areas <laughs> in some of these right. policies that would catch people out commonly? Um, look, I don't think there is an intentional, or I like to think there is no intentional purpose. It's just to reduce the cost of the premium is, is, is yeah. what I would think. Right. That, um, so, sorry? Raise the insurance policy on the insurance policy, Charlie. Well, I, again, to this point is like, I mean, maybe I've seen too many movies of like, you know, people not getting their insurance payouts or the rest of it. But like at the same time is like, if you're an insurance business, every time you pay out a policy, right, you're essentially, uh, I don't want to say losing money, but at the same time, you're not making your profits as healthy as they could be. So I imagine there's whole departments of people making sure that they're very in line to making sure they only pay out what people are actually covered for and not any more than that. So if something's in the grey, I mean, that could be the difference between their business being profitable or not. Look, um, that's, a, that's a great question to answer. Um, it, look, it, it comes down to, um, look, most insurance companies are in the business to pay uh, and, and pay the right policies uh, for, the right, um, uh, for the right structure that the customers are covered for. Sorry, I'm going to restart on that. That, that literally got me. <laughs> That got me pretty. That's good. all right. Keep rolling on. You, you're okay. all good on that. I'm not asking you to uh, shame on any of the insurance ones. Okay. But I, I can totally. I'll, I'll frame this one in another way. Sure. I can see plenty of people trying to take advantage of the system and go. Uh, do you know what? I've I've got a Ferrari, but I'm only going to get the coverage of a Marina. And then, do you know what? When something goes wrong on my Ferrari, I am going to claim the absolute max out of this and rot this system. Yeah. Because yep. uh, one thing I am certain of is that Australians love a loophole. Yep. They can get a tax benefit or a workaround. They, they'll find it. They're very clever. Yep. So I can only see that existing here as well. So these insurance companies, I can't believe I'm defending them, <laughs> are probably say. putting in such strong um, conditions to mitigate against that. Absolutely, guys. And they've, they've gone through those events over the years and they've learned from that experience. Um, so there, there are certain provisions and exclusions that are placed on those policies and, and, and on the, specifically on the definition of those policies to prevent that from happening. Because at the end of the day, if that, that claim that shouldn't have got paid out got paid out, the ultimate person that's going to be varying the cost are the consumers. Yep. We are paying then for that increased part of that premium. So to ensure that the right people get paid for the right things that they've insured for, insurance companies will ensure that they have those appropriate disclaimers and disclosures around that part of the policy. But they are in the business to pay claims. As long as it's, it's the right product and the right structure, what the customer wanted, they usually do pay claims. I uh, no, I've got to jump in. I'm stealing it. I have to. I know this one. I have to. I have to. Outrageous. I'm too excited to ask this question. 
Ray, in the last couple of years, we had a very interesting event go down. Yep. That that shall remain nameless. I'm not going to name the thing, but I'll, I'll give you a hint. Uh, if you look at the first le- letter in my name and it starts with the C, you could you may be able to look at that. And there once was a, a 19 year old version of myself that also started with the C. If you catch my drifts, yep. <laughs> so this is an unknown, unforeseen event that there's no way anyone had insurance for. What happens in circumstances if someone was to fall? Let's say they were unfortunately contracted this thing in the last time, and it's left them unable to work. It, what happens with insurance if we're not covered for things that are unknown? Is that in policies and people can cover against those things? Like how can we be sure there's not a C20 or a C21? No, absolutely. Great question, Charlie. Um, The most important part is to read your policy definition. Most of the times what we are finding on those terms and conditions when we're going through those 90 pages of documents is going, uh, they might go, well, the infectious disease may not be covered. And these are some of the exclusions that people have to worry about with the C word. You've got to ensure that some of these policies are paying for those uh, C21 or next version of um, COVID that might come out. Um, so, well, there's a monkeypox now, apparently. Yeah. So we'll call it M- M19. <laughs> so, to, see, most of these insurance policies who, who have been underwritten and have been taken through the right way, they've paid out for every single part of the COVID claim. Well, I can't say every single part of it because, again, I'm not across every single part of the claim, but most that I've sort of come across working with most of the insurance companies, they have paid out for the right COVID claims. Charlie, one of my extended relatives is actually a lawyer for one of said insurance companies, and he is the one who deploys private detectives to go and inspect said people who receive or are soon to be receiving said payouts on said situations, to which stories be funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll just I'll share one here is like I actually know some people that intentionally like didn't get married um, and didn't live together just so they could get child support in the right way. And I just look at that and go, they're intentionally like hiding a relationship from the government just so one person in that relationship continues to reap the benefits of the government system. I suspect it's rampant in this industry as well, right? So absolutely, this lawyer is even contemplating. Like, this exists. They're hiring detectives. Like, surely there's some foundness in that. There is. Plus, it makes a great movie plot, doesn't it? Like, there's great insurance. Oh, I'm pretty sure there's plenty, been, plenty of movies been made around that circumstance. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm like, um, don't know, Charlie, hard one to answer there. Um, it's, um, um, yes, look, there are. I'm not across every single claim, like I said, but um, in some instances people have taken advantage of it. And uh, they've made uh, claims where they shouldn't have made claims and they've done the wrong things. Um, some have gotten away with it. Some haven't. All right. Well, I, I tell you what, I know I'm not allowed to give recommendations on things in these episodes around anything in general, but I will actually make one here. I think everyone that's listening to this podcast, I would highly encourage they do speak to their advisor. And if they uh, don't have an advisor, I actually highly encourage they speak to you and get their insurance reviewed and looked at. Because I think this is just one of these things where, like, championship teams play good defense. Yep. yep. Right? You might be killing it in business and, like, one of those things that could effectively create a wipeout event is not having the right insurances in place or just ignoring it. Like, and it's like pretending it doesn't exist, which isn't a good thing. No. So, Ray, where is the best place for people to come and get in contact with you if they would like to have their insurances reviewed or looked at or even considered for the first time? Um, Charlie, the um, 
reach out to me uh, on my mobile. Uh, my contact details are on Google, um, or perhaps um, f- uh, from yours, uh, from your website, um, uh, or um, I'll give you out my number, I guess. Sorry, All right, well, everyone, stuff, we do have raised details out. on the partners page on the site. We'll make sure we put them in the show notes as well, as well as we've got a form on the website where you'll be able to book in with Ray and the Riker Capital T. Ray, I want to thank you so much for coming on this episode. Um, it was insightful. This is one of those ones where I think I learnt more uh, than other episodes where me and Grant just basically talk smack for 30 minutes. Dude, I could never get you on this one. I'm sitting there yeah, I'm like, pulling you in. let me in, let me in, let me in. <laughs> and he's like, no. I actually really did hug this one a little bit, but I was like, I really am curious here. I'll tell you what, when you've got a kid, you'll take insurance way more seriously as well, right? I'm like, oh, I can see the pain. I can feel the pain. Nonetheless, thank you for coming on the podcast, Ray. I'm going to wrap this one up from here as Grant and I are already getting out of hand. This has been a phenomenal and interesting episode to unpack personal insurance and what it is and why we should have it. So thank you for tuning in, guys. That's it for this episode.